I'm Stephen Jack Pusella. And I'm Jill DeWitt. And this is the Land Academy Show. This is episode 1951. And today, we're going to talk about how I build, how Jack builds a 10,000 unit mailer. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk also about building due diligence confidence. These are two uh, topics that came from Career Path. Career Path. Yep. We're, in, we're mid-session in uh, Career Path number six, and these are hot topics, both of them, for... Uh, Totally. During the office hours for, for uh, Career Path members. Exactly. So I want to just make a note, too, for those of you who are watching us. <gasps> we are on the road. I would show you our beautiful background, but with the light outside, it's actually like a bright Colorado day right now. So you can't really, that you wouldn't really see it, but my view is beautiful. So we happen to be downtown Boulder, looking out over the mountains on the Front Range, and it couldn't be more pretty. So It's uh, right out of a postcard, yep. the whole thing. And Jill and I are having an absolute blast. Yep. So for those of you who are you know, aren't tuning in and listening and you're here because I want to do it from the road too, sometimes you have to do this kind of a stuff. So, for, you know, I've talked about it before. Running our land business from uh, an RV is totally a piece of cake. I can do it with my laptop. I can do stuff on my phone. I could do things on my tablet. No big deal I'm running a land business. Now running Land Academy <laughs> and the podcast and, and all that. Owners Offer, and parcel facts and the things that and, and doing career path, you know, with the the video the video live stuff we have to do, that's a whole different ball game. So for that, for those things, we find these office space environments, and it's great because yeah. you could rent it for a couple hours, rent it for a day, you know, whatever you need. I just want you to know all your options. It turns out there's an office share in almost all the tiny little towns all over the all right. over the place. I'm shocked at how many, yeah. you, you know, not the chains not like the WeWorks. Yeah. There's all, all kinds of independent little offices you can rent a room. It doesn't it's have to really be a hotel cheap. conference room. Yeah. We've done that. They have that too. We've done that. So yeah, now I'm like, oh, and here's the reason why. Because we don't want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> we picked up a new rig. Um, well, we did the podcast. Did we do the podcast from the rig last week? I think we did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's right. You saw the podcast from the rig last week. So we were going to head home after that, right? And then Jack very nicely says, I don't need to go home. Do you need to go home? Like, no. I, I kind of need to go home. So I'm having contacts shipped to me here. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm running out of that I can't get. But other than that, we're, we'll just see how it goes. So who knows where we're going to pop up next week. This is the first I was telling Jill yesterday. Yeah. This is the first time in my entire life ever that I don't have anything to complain about. Yeah. Or, oh. or worry about. Oh, boy. Do you have this in your relationship? It's probably the roles are reversed. It's probably the woman that has a lot to B-I-T-C-H about, you know, but in, in, in our scenario, I, I'm not just going to throw you under the bus, but one of us rolls a little better with the punches. And I think it's because one of us doesn't, then one of us has to. So we'll just leave it at that. You know what? We're getting it done though. We are getting it done. We couldn't do the Thursday call last week now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, that's right. We did have to cancel Mm -hmm. last week. We're going to do it this week. Because of network issues. Now we've got it all figured out, I think. Sheesh. And the internet here is better than at home. (laughs) Each week we answer questions from our Land Academy Discord forum and review land acquisitions from our weekly uh, Thursday member webinar and take a deep dive into two land-related topics by popular request. I just mentioned those. Let's take a question posted by one of our members on the uh, Land Academy Discord online community. If you want a sneak peek, go to landacademy.com 
It's free. Lacey wrote, Hi, I had a question regarding downloading data from Datatree. Are we downloading the data per zip code within the county or for the entire county? Boy, that's uh, leads right into our uh, topic. It completely and entirely depends on what your goal is. If you are trying to build a mailer, like I'm going to talk about in a couple seconds here, then I personally like to go run the red, green, yellow test by zip code and pit all those adjacent zip codes in a county against each other, pick out the best ones that have, you know, and uh, if you have questions about the what are the best ones, um, please go to Land Academy 3.0, chapter uh, three and four, and, you know, and then build a data set from there. So like, for instance, if you've got one section of a county that's got eight zip codes in it, uh, three of them really work. They pass the red, green, yellow test. You discard the other counties and you keep working away your round in county until you've built a mailer that satisfies you from a number standpoint and a performance standpoint as far as a red, green, yellow test goes. So per zip code. Per zip code, but per you need to build code. a mailer. Right. So, so yeah, you don't want, you don't need to get the whole county and then pick out the zip codes because now you've wasted all that. That's the whole point running the red, yellow, green test. You're making sure that you're picking the hot zip codes. Yeah. And then what Jack's mentioning, he's going to talk more about is, well, great. What if the zip code only yields 300 units? What do I do then? Now we're going to, that's how you're building your mailer. So let's just get into it. Okay, good. Today's first topic. Sounds like this. Like I'm putting my fists up. Let's get into it. (laughs) Today's first topic is how Jack builds a 10,000 unit mailer. Well, it's exactly what Lacey's asking. Mm-hmm. I uh, troll around the country or troll around a state or a region and I find properties or areas of properties that I believe based on how I input my equity planner, how much money I want to make per deal. Do I want to make $80,000 a deal? Do I want to make $20,000 a deal when I want to buy for 20 and sell for 40, buy for 60, sell for 160? What do I want? Based on those parameters, I go in and troll around the country all the time. And I find places that seem like they might work. When that happens, I go into DataTree and I download the zip codes, uh, those adjacent zip codes. They have to be adjacent. This is important because it's all, the red, green, yellow test is relative. What goes I on mean, in Kansas? I can't do that. So I was just gonna say does not go on in Alaska. Yeah, I don't do one in Oregon and one in Kansas and one over here because I picked the top ones. Apples to oranges. Okay, got it. It has to be relative uh, and adjacent and relative. And so what ends up happening? And this is the norm. This is not an exception. I find five or eight zip codes, two or three work, let's say some number like that, maybe two. I find out that those two zip codes in that pocket of adjacent zip codes really work. They pass the green, red, green, yellow test, but I find out it's only 700 units. Well, I want to send out 10,000 properties. I want to send out a mailer, a 10,000 unit mailer. So I continue to do the same thing. And the more diverse of these pockets of zip codes that I create, you know, diversification is a, is a you know a, fi- a finance diversification is rule one oh one rule. It's very safe. You diversify risk that way. So if I if I end up in five different states with clusters of zip codes, they pass a red green yellow test, and now I'm on way. I, I need to continue to build a ten up to. I want to build a ten thousand unit mailer. I I don't do mailers for less than 10,000 units. In fact, that's closer to 25,000. Do they all go out at the same time? No. Thank well, you. I asked my partner about how, how, how many would you like to go out every week? 
Well, that's that's a point that makes sense too. I want to pause for just a second and say, why are we doing that much? Like, am I doing that much every week? Is that what I should be aiming for? Maybe, depending where you are in this business and how big your team is. But for most individuals, I just don't want to sit and have to do this every week. Some do. But some don't. Maybe you maybe you don't have the time to do that. You don't have a time to spend every Monday to sit down and pick a county, you know, do your things and get a mailer out. You know, some do, again, some don't. So if you don't and or you just don't want to do it that often, like Jack here, you'd rather do it for the whole month. Yep. You know, sit and do ten thousand, but he's got this state five zip codes this state that you know this county five zip codes right of the 12 you know and this county over in this state where he's got six of the 15 zip codes that pass and then this one and this one and this one maybe it's four different regions if you will to make up the 10,000 then do do your download and, la, 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 and then, and build then your mailer. space it out space out when the mailer hits or better yet send it to concierge data and uh, offers to owners after you got the data all done and you like it and it's 10,000 11,000 15,000 units they'll send it, it over out. they'll 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 space it out they will re- process the order mm-hmm. and release it when you ask them to mm-hmm. so like if you hey. say every monday i want 2500 to go out mm-hmm. until it's gone and let me know yep that's beautiful. I'm trying to think of questions to ask. This is the norm. So this is not. Uh, I'll, well, here's another. I have questions. Okay. Okay. So this is great, Jack. Um, how long? If I do all this data in bulk like this, how long can I? Uh, how far can I space it out? Like I'm assuming six months is too long because the data may not may change. How how current do you want my data to be? Here's what happens. You know, this is a great question. And you know what the answer is? I don't know. (laughs) Six months is probably okay. Okay. You don't need to refresh your data for for six months and maybe even a year. You could stretch it out for a year, but data is cheap. Your time is not. Your time is expensive and the mail is expensive. True. And so you... What ends up happening is this. You're going to send out 2,500. You're going to ask O2O to send out 2,500. They're going to send them out. Two weeks later, you're going to get... you know, a bunch of opportunity. Yeah. People are going to call back. And it, and now your system's moving forward. So if you uh, think of this and picture a calendar while I say this, the first Monday, 2,500 unit, unit, units go out. Two weeks later, you're going to get responses from that. But the next Monday, 2,500 units go out. Two weeks later from that. So you can see how there's a lag. Mm-hmm. You don't want that. You don't want to stop ever releasing uh, stuff into the mail because you're going to stop your deal flow. That's the key. So, and at some point you are going to say, I have too many deals. If you, you know, send out 2,500 to 5,000 a week, you are going to get, generate some amazing opportunity and it's going to be too much for you if you're new to handle. If you're, if you're scaling or you're coming to us from another group, you know, you you know how these deals go, how much time they take. You're, you have, a, you know, you've got some experience. And so, you know, if you can handle 15 deals or five deals or three deals or one. I got to tell you, though, that's the best scenario. I'm still going to say this. I don't care if you have too much deals. Boo hoo. <laughs> so I'm serious. Now you're going to you know why? Because you're not going to make any mistakes and you're going to pick the best one. That's what it is. Well, you have 10 deals like, oh, my gosh, I'd buy them all if I could. But I can't. I don't have the bandwidth the money, the time, whatever, then so what? You're going to pick the best ones and then space them out, you know, and and I've had those conversations too, by the way. It's easy to tell a seller, like, how fast do we need to do this? Because um, 
I'm, I need to kind of budget this out, if you will. And if, and, and if you say, can I do this in, in 30 days, you know, and they say, yes, you can do that. I don't like it. Too many things can go wrong. But back in the day, I did have those conversations when I really did. The difference is now you don't have to do that because if it's money, it's only bandwidth that you might not be able to handle it. But if it's only money for a lot of people, it's money, you know, that you're just like, I don't have the budget to buy four, you know, $20,000 properties. Well, I do. Let me ask you Hit a question. Yeah. When are more choices bad hmm. not just with real estate but in life <sighs> give me one pl- example please because i can't think of one hmm. you i do have always... a trouble not jewelry not men <laughs> not not let me tell you the things it's not jewelry it's not men it's not real estate cars. it's not it's not no i thought about that with cars you i do have a little wanted. trouble with cars because then i want to buy them all i don't know but, but you want still, more choices you want so, more because choices. you can have now you have control if you have more you choices have about all the stuff that Jill just mentioned yeah you're gonna you are going to invariably in my opinion if you uh, have the right personality type to, to to do all this you will invariably make the best choice yeah because you're and it's the same thing with with deals if you've got right. if you're staring at 20 deals and you only want to do one or two a month which is fine mm-hmm. you're going to pick the best too exactly. if you have a universe of 28 deals versus 19 deals chances are there's a better deal in there than 19 or 15 or 10 mm-hmm. that's why it's or so four. important that's the problem people so, don't realize you when you have too little and you're looking at here's what happens the opposite of, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you but when you have like three or four deals that people don't send out enough mail this is the problem you send out 2,000 units right and you get 20 calls back or 30 calls back and you've got four that passed your test not 14 four now you're looking at them looking at the lesser of two evils like well maybe this mm-hmm. one over that one and yep. that's where you're going to get in trouble and which taps into jill's uh next topic and so i don't want to get too ahead of ourselves but if you have 20 deals that you're looking at and you only want to get two you're going to do a great you're going to make great decisions mm-hmm. because you have more opportunity and more diversification. Those things are universal yeah. concepts in everything. More diversification is better, always. Yeah. More options, more choices are always better than less choices. And you know, in your 10,000 unit mailer, I'm gonna argue to you like, so you're, here's what you're doing. You're in data tree. You, you're filling in your parameters and you're stacking up, right? Are you going to download in one bulk? No. Okay, so you have one per county. Or zip code, let's say. Well, no, no, I mean, you know, let me back up here. So I put in state, county, and my six zip codes, and I've got 8,000 units. Do I... Can I go back in? I have to. I have to download that and then go back and do two thousand from my other area that I picked yeah. out. Okay, got you have it. to do separate downloads because here's why. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. I should have been more clear on that. Because does County just data, does zip code pick up the right thing, or does it have to be the state, county? So if you go zip. state, county, and then you have five zip codes in there, yeah. you're going to do fine because okay. the county, in the county, it's at the county level that the assessor data is generated on the back end of data tree and every county is very different even counties that are adjacent in the same state might handle their assessor data very very differently so you do not want to cross counties 
Okay. You want to have one county, multiple zip codes. If you still, you haven't reached, then download. Okay. If you haven't reached your 10,000 unit, let's say it's 2,500, you're going to do another, to start over. And you're going to go to another county. To like download that codes, one and then keep adding. Find the zip codes and build it until you get to the, the numbers that you you want. Okay. Then I'm going to argue, tell me if I'm wrong here, because it's just, this is data 101 questions I want to ask for everybody. Sure. So I, down, I have three different files. Do I put them all in one big file so yes. I scrub them all at once and save time? Yes. Thank you. And you put the raw data in, in one big file. Uh, I do. This is a normal mailer for me. Cool. I put all the raw, and then I start to build the mailer, or I send it to O2O. Cool. In my case, I use Concierge Data now because I train the person uh, Daniel who runs Concierge Data, and I know what he's capable of and what he's not. And he, if I send him the data file and it, and it's done, and he can, he'll. Mm -hmm. he, he does it right. Scrubs and he out. Sends it back what to me. What are we scrubbing out? We're scrubbing out city of fill in the blank. We're, we're and things like scrubbing that. out uh, people zips. who own properties that, yeah. like the U.S. government, they, they don't need a yeah. letter from you. You're just wasting money on, on mail. Right. It's all in the program. Exactly. I'm just kind of giving little tips like, well, what are you scrubbing? So, mm -hmm. okay, thank you. I think I think that answers all my questions. Let's take a look at one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar. Would you do this deal? Lincoln County, Nevada, 4.88 acres. Purchase price, 10,744 bucks. So we could sell it for 30 to 50,000. We have water, electricity, no slope. Mountains in the distance, 20 minutes from Panica, Nevada. Everybody's alive, there's stuff adjacent. Great. 10 grand for 4.88. Wow. They wow yet. I'm pretty familiar with the wow. theory of Nevada. Buy for 500, sell for 5,000. That's a stock photo. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. 370 next door. Not wow. a stock photo. Oh, maybe not. You're right. <laughs> Let's double check. That eating here. my words. <laughs> I'm eating mine. <laughs> you know who's going to buy it is the rich guy that just did this next yeah. door. Yep. Yeah. I paid 30 grand to have an extra five acres. Okay, you know what you can do, by the way? Now that we have the next door neighbor's address, you can pop the next door neighbor's address into neighbor scoop and then go over one if you really want to. Oh, I mean like this. Mm -hmm. So I just found a property that's on that same road. That's 4.88 acres. Is that the same property? <laughs> yeah, that is. The parcel number's in the description. Oh, oops. For 47, but now she could buy it for 10. Okay, can I see this? Yeah. I need to, I'm like, what the heck? So this is already listed with an agent. This is not good. Um, darn it. And they just, well, they listed it. They probably have a year listing on it because I know most people aren't as savvy as us. So do you want to wait a year? Or... I'm not feeling this. Yeah. Are you? No. I just, I've had too many disappointments in Nevada. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> if you can get it for crazy cheap, you, you just might be sitting on it for a while. Right. I wouldn't buy this. There's just nothing up here. Right. Okay. Except this guy's house and that's it. Right. Yeah, that's your buyer. Mm -hmm. And the used car lot over there. I would, I would skip trace this person next door and say, do the $30,000 thing, but chances are they know it's for sale for... I mean, maybe even a quick sale for 20, make a quick 10 yeah. grand and that's it. That's what I was wondering, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. But I still try to get it cheaper. <laughs> but you know what? I wonder, let's, 
the guy next door I'm sure knows is for sale. I would be willing to bet the agent yeah. already had a call with him. So whatever it was, he didn't want it. Yeah, right. That's your job. Because you yeah. know what you think? Yeah. I know some people think like this, like, I'm not going to buy it and no one's going to buy it because yeah. I'm sitting here. So I don't have to spend any money and I get to quietly enjoy these five acres. That's true. Yeah. So. Hey, if you don't know it by now, Jill and I have a full blown commercial printing company specifically to send offers to owners. In fact, that's the name offers the number two owners.com. Uh, about four or five, maybe eight months ago, we added a product called Concierge Data. Everybody loves it. It allows you, including me, to completely outsource your mailing uh, operation. Check it out. Go to offers to number two owners.com and give them a call. There's an 800 number there. You'll get a, uh, my number, my right hand guy. His name is uh, Aaron. And ask him all kinds of questions. Tell him I sent you. Let's take another question posted by one of our members on the Land Academy Discord online community. Again, if you want a sneak peek, go to landacademy.com. It's free. Michael wrote, I know the answer to most of the questions about mail yield is, don't worry about it, just send more mail. Nevertheless, I can't help but feel that I'm doing something wrong. I just calculated my numbers uh, for last year and I sent 40,000 offers to 29 counties and acquired only seven properties. Only seven properties. Right. And it looks like all my mailers went to one state. Starts with a G. <laughs> How do I debug my process? Am I offering too little? Most of the year I was targeting 35% of retail. Now I'm backing off to target 30%. My picking areas that are too hot. Has anyone been in this situation and figured out a way to debug your process? I'm not sure where to start. So is that your math at the mm -hmm. bottom right there? Okay, so, so I'm gonna, we scroll down. I'm gonna deconstruct this for everyone. I'm, uh, gonna, I'm gonna reel off a lot of numbers, okay. but this is incredibly important. This, this question, every once in a while, we get a question. This is a fantastic question, mm -hmm. but and I need to deconstruct this so that everybody understands this business model again. This is very important. I'm going to throw a lot of numbers out. So if you need to get a paper and pencil and really uh, digest this or listen to it more than once, I get it. I would have to. <laughs> 40,000 mailers times 62 cents is approximately $26,000. That's how much he spent on mail last year. And it yielded seven acquisitions for him. That's for every 5,700-ish mailers that he sent out, he bought a property. So one of the top questions we get, well, how many, does it, how many mailers do I have to send out exactly. to buy a property? Well, here's your answer. And this is a person who is uh, re reasonably new in mm -hmm. this business. And he's, you know, his learning curve is a little different. The numbers are real different for Jill and I. Mm -hmm. But that's because we've been doing it for 25 years. Yeah. So his mailer yields about 5,700. For every 5,700 mailers, he sends out, uh, he gets a property. Right. That's not failing, sir. Nope. That's more incredibly numbers. succeeding. So if he nets, and if he if he bought for ten thousand and sold for twenty thousand, that's netting ten grand. Mm -hmm. He made ten thousand dollars per deal times seven transactions is seventy thousand dollars. Well, he spent forty five thousand uh, dollars. I'm sorry, he spent twenty six thousand dollars on the mailer. Mm -hmm. So if I subtract seventy grand minus twenty six thousand. He made $45,000 a year mm -hmm. that year. 
which is a, a return on investment of 182%. How is that failing? I agree. Tell me another That's business. That's the bottom. That's the bottom. Tell me another business yeah. that where you can make a hundred a return a hundred and eighty two percent return on investment. Would Jill and I buy a property where we net ten grand on it? No. Mm-hmm. Would I have bought one fifteen years ago? Sure. Mm-hmm. I would have bought as many as I could. If he nets twenty thousand dollars, not ten, so he buys for ten and sells for thirty. He's going to make, and it's multiply that by a seven. That's $140,000 a year that he made. Subtract the cost of the mail. You end up with about $115,000 of profit after you subtract the mail costs. That's a 464% return on investment. Show, How me, is that show me where you can make that. Yeah. Can you do that on a convenience store? Hell no. Nope. Gas station? Nope. Pizza joint? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> really, please, uh, you know, if you're on YouTube or anywhere else, I would like you to type in yeah. where there, where you get a return like that exactly. without going to Las Vegas. Right. If you net $30,000, buy for 10, sell for 40. Multiply that, $30,000 by seven, seven properties. Subtract your mailer cost, 747% return mm-hmm. on investment. If you net 40, buy for 20, sell for 60 pretty that's a now we're approaching a regular land academy deal yeah multiply that times seven subtract the mail a thousand percent return on investment that's amazing fifty thousand dollars per deal thirteen hundred percent seventy thousand dollars per deal now we're approaching jill's criteria seventy thousand dollars per deal times seven deals is almost half a million dollars minus the mail cost is 1,875% return on investment. These ROIs are hilarious. Sk- it's like, it doesn't even seem real. Skip to, I have I a, know. stick with me because it gets better at the end. Okay. And this is not the end. So let's skip to $100,000 net, which is what Jill and I try to, to, we try to make on every deal. It doesn't happen, but mm-hmm. we shoot for it and it ends up being 80, 70, 90, whatever. Who cares? $100,000 times seven deals is $700,000 in profit. Subtract the mail costs, and now you've got uh, almost a 2,800% return on investment. Here's the kicker. Let's say you don't have the money to buy these things, so you do deal funding on all of these. Mm-hmm. Now you're ret- I can't calculate your return on investment because you didn't spend any money. You spent our money and got True. 50% of the profit. Please type in a better business model. I would like, because I've spent my entire professional life mm-hmm. building this business model and you know, I, if there was something else better to do, I would do it. We're choosing to teach this for a reason because we want to fund your deals. We want, we want to be partners with you. We didn't do Land Academy, uh, start Land Academy to make money. We started it to create partners for ourselves and this is a fantastic example. These are real numbers. I didn't make this up. Mm-hmm. He posted this in Discord and he thinks he's failing. And he's smashing it. I agree. (laughs) Today's second topic. It's called Building Due Diligence Confidence by Jill. Okay, so this came up in Career Path um, this week. And it was really interesting because I noticed people that were talking about all these deals, like this person. Even the seven that came back, I'm sure there was a, a pause there's always a pause, especially when you're new, um, just doing a deal 
And then for, for other people, when you're in a new area, there's a pause too. Um, there we go. Thank you. I don't know why I need to see that, but it sure helps when I can see the, see the topic. It's all good. (laughs) So, um, anyway, I wanted to talk a few minutes about, um, due diligence and building confidence and getting good at it. Right. So this came up the day someone's like, I have all these deals. I have 20 deals and I'm struggling picking, picking the deals. Right. Um, and I understand that. I, like I said, when you're new and or a new area, you don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to buy, you know, for 20 and get stuck with it. I don't want to buy for 20 and sell for 25 and then buy, you know, cause I made a mistake. And by the time I back out, you know, my, my uh, escrow fees and a broker and all that stuff, I, ba- I barely break even, you know, kind of thing. Have I had that happen early on and made mistakes like that? Yeah. You know, and if I watched that happen, yeah. So it's fine. So you got to... You've got to uh, build confidence, uh, and you. The my main thing in here is, you have to really know what to look for, and I want you to prioritize the six A's. So I did this last week on Career Path. I had Jack, myself, and another couple. I had them look at the six A's, and I had them put them in order what they think was the most important. Like, okay, so I, this is to help you build confidence. Okay, first of all, what are the six A's? The six A's, Jack came up with four. When I met Jack, he had four. And then it had, now it has grown to six. I added I added one. You added another one. So maybe it might be seven at some point. We'll see. So the six A's are the things that you look at to make sure you're making a good decision when acting and moving forward and buying a property okay and i'm going to give you my order of preference and then you can tell me what you think they are right now i have to go off the top of my head to remember but number one for me is alive yeah that's that's my number one and if they are not if they are not um i need to write them down if they are not if i'm not speaking to the seller or i'm not speaking to the person that has the power to sell the property i am wasting my time absolutely right it doesn't do me any good to say i think dad has a deed somewhere dad passed on mom's got the will i'm sure i'm sure we can all do this well hold on a moment we need to we need to really make sure that it it's you know in the right name you you do have the authority to convey it fill in the blank this doesn't matter huge, about the property uh, this is, i don't want to gloss over this mm-hmm. this is the reason that alive is the number one a for both of us because this is a huge misconception in our business that uh well my dad willed it it says in my will oh, I, yeah. I i i'm willing everything well, to me. my only child son and here's my will and i own the property right. that so that might be true with a car that mm-hmm. might be true with a piece of furniture or uh, a bank account or all kinds of gold or all kinds of stuff but is not true with real estate. If somebody passes away and the property's in their name and not in their heir's name, there's a lot of hoops you got to go through. And in some states, it's nearly impossible. Arizona is one of them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's, and the reason I'm going through this right now is I'm give, I want to convey to you the important things on my list in my order, because I want you to have this in your head when you're making these decisions. And so you have the confidence to do this. So my, that's my last, I, I got one more. Hold on a moment. Um, la, 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 la. Um, so alive. Alive, alive is, is number one. First. Yeah. Number two is affordability. Yep got to be cheap enough so so i'm going through my list i'm this is again you're doing your due diligence they're alive i got the right person you know is it a really good, is it a really good price do i feel really good about it am i buying this for thirty eight hundred dollars and i think it's worth 20 
do I, you know, it's that kind of a deal. Yeah, I feel really good about it. And everywhere I look, I, man, 20 is on the low end. If I screw it all up, I sell it for 20. I might sell it for 28. I don't know. Based on all these other properties that I'm looking at for sale and have sold in the last six and 12 months, things that are moving in this area, all of that. So that checks that box. I agree, about, by the way, so far. Thank you. Okay, great. Now I'm going, th- I'm feeling good now. I've got my 10 and on my 10, now I'm down to five, let's just say. You know, maybe probably even seven. Let's just say you're, you started with 10. Now you're down to seven. All right. Well, now what, what's important next? What I really need to look about access. Can, can we get to it? Can my buyer get to it? In a perfect world, I would love physical and legal access. What does that mean? Physical means it doesn't have to be paved, by the way. I don't care about that. But can I get there? Hopefully two-wheel drive. Hopefully my Prius will go out there. Because my, by the way, my agent might drive a Prius or their Lexus or fill in the blank. You know, my, my agent might not be, you know, in a Jeep like me. So, but I, you know, hopefully two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, I can even handle too. But can they get to it? That's physical access. Okay. Um, and the and then the number two part of access part b is legal access if it is really on a road now i know i got it and i can see from google earth where the where the indent is in the driveway kind of thing maybe it even has an address not often but sometimes it will now i really know you know locked in i've got legal access what if i'm not sure but you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to call. I'm going to ask first ask the seller. You get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I'm going to dig deeper. It's going to pass my phase one, and move to phase two. If I can see physical access, I'm going to move it forward onto my next level of due diligence, where I'm going to really uncover. You know, is it real? Um, do I have an easement? Something like that. And I'll work with the seller and the county and plat maps. To you know, if it's on a out. county road on a corner of two county roads, you can very safely assume and move forward to phase two diligence because yep. it's it's got access. Yep. So let's just say my uh, my 10 went to seven, went to five. So now I'm what on. Is, can you explain what those numbers so, are? So yeah. So I started with 10 properties. This 10 is, people responded to a mailer. Yeah, I have 10 signed purchase agreements. Excellent, Joe. And of those 10 now, I'm now, because I need to feel good about my due diligence and making sure I'm not making just mistakes. I'm running through these six A's. So I went from 10, okay, of the alive test. You know, I got, then I went to seven with affordability. I just checked all the access situation. Now my 10, I'm down to five properties that passed those three tests. This is how you build your confidence and you don't make mistakes. Absolutely. Now what's next on that? Well, let's attribute. What the heck is great about this property? Is it on a creek? Is it near, you know, uh, Estes Park? Is it... Does it have a farm across the street that should be on a postcard? Right. Is it itself a farm? Do you get a good feeling? Maybe it's maybe it's zoned mm-hmm. agriculture. Yeah. That could be an attribute. Maybe it's got an old mobile home on it. Right. Or a well. Fill in the blank. What... Now, it's not always... It's not always there and it's not always a deal killer, but I'm looking for that. And that really will will make a property stand out. Like, and you, when you look at these attributes too, what you're doing right now is figuring out who's gonna buy your property. When you're looking at it and you go, oh, look at this creek. Oh my God, some fly fisher is gonna love this property. Now you already know who you're gonna market it to, who you're gonna sell it to, and you know what you're doing. So you're going through those attributes. So let's just say of my five, I'm down to, uh, I'm down to three. 
Let's give it a real good. This is a good way to do this. These are real good, realistic numbers. So of my, really, I started with 10. These are my time. So I had 10 signed purchase agreements. Now I'm down to three. You know why? Because I don't want to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I have five that pass the test, but you know what? I want to feel really good about these. So now with those attributes, I got three that I know right away how to sell them. Done, done, and done. And then I have two other A's. Um, and then in order is for me, one, uh, the number fifth A is adjacent. Part of that was built into my attributes too, where I'm looking around to see what's around there. Adjacent is what's going on with the neighbors? What are they doing? Is there a lot of property for sale or not a lot of property for sale? And what's next door? Is there a ranch next door? Well, this is beautiful because this shows my buyer what's possible. And when there's a ranch next door, I know they got power figured out. They got water figured out. They've got all this stuff figured out. So adjacent it's just like, for me, a little boost, a little like, huh, all right. And my three stays three. I'm going to feel good about, I did that. So my, I lumped together Jason and attribute yeah, I do often. Too. They so, go together. Thank you. So my three is still three properties I'm moving forward with. And then the last thing on the list is acreage. And acreage was usually solved right away. Acreage is like, did I get back the properties for I mailed for, meaning I was mailing for five to seven acres. I had a real small thing in there and it is, this property's 5.3. Perfect. So that's kind of an easy, but it's the last little thing you just want to make sure, you know, am I getting what I wanted, you know, out of this mailer? So that's why, that's why that's the, the sixth uh, in general, one for me. Acreage, larger is better mm -hmm. in general. That's not necessarily the case in a real urban area. You could right. have an incredibly valuable piece of property that's a quarter acre Correct. or less. Why, Jill? Why am I doing all this? Wouldn't you oh. have 10 options to choose from when you start running down all the A's? I did have 10. I know. Why wouldn't you? What would you do wrong to not have 10? To that Wait, start with 10 start, and end in 10? Or No, hold oh, on. Just okay. hold on a second, okay? <laughs> you started with 10 and you ended with three. Right. What if you started with three? Oh, I hate that. What would that. happen? Oh, you that would end, be awful. You would end with zero. Yeah. You why know what would, I would? Why would you start if with I, three? Or I'm desperate and I end with one. I'm like, I think this one might work. And then I'm scared so, and I'm making risky so, decisions. So hold on a second, all right? Yeah. Because this is the problem. Yeah. This is, If you don't have confidence, you're getting deals back. Yep. And you're looking at one deal and you're trying to jam all five or six A's. Is it six A's now? Six. Jam all six A's into this property, and it's not working. Yeah. Well, you don't have. You don't have. You're not. You have enough. You're not dealing. Can you hold on a second? Sorry. <laughs> you did not force yourself to utilize the mail the way that you should to create all ten of those opportunities, or better yet, twenty, and then you end up with three because now you know as a percentage that the three of uh, it's a much. You, you really pick the best three mm -hmm. out of those 20s. Maybe it's 30. You have started with 30 properties and you ended with three. How do you, what's your guaranteed way to start with 30 instead of three, instead of 10? Send more mail. Send more mail. Exactly. Because just uh, in the, in the question earlier, we proved that sending out 40,000 mailers yields ten, uh, seven deals in a year mm -hmm. and you're in the thousands of percent on a return on investment. So why wouldn't you guarantee that? What are you going to forego? What's the problem? Why wouldn't you send out more mail? Would you, like, I feel like I'm in trouble. Because it's expensive. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it costs money up well, front. And that's, that freaks people out. 
Please let me. I'm gonna actually. That's what. Well, what I'm gonna doesn't? talk about this in a, That's what I mean. Well, hold on a moment. Well, that's let's just back I mean. up for just a second. You know, let's let's be honest. Everything's gonna cost money to get started, and you know what? If now's not the right time, you don't have the money. Wait till you do. That's right. I don't care. That's exactly Wait right. Wait until you Joe. do. So that's a whole nother subject. Well, that, I'm, that is my my uh, my information slash inspiration talk in a few minutes here. Okay. Whew. Scared me. I was getting in trouble. My main thing is I wanted to show you how to go from 10 to 3. And like Jack is right. So you saw how I was very confidently making these decisions. When you go from 20 to 3, you're making really good decisions mm. too. So when you're starting out to 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 hit home what Jack was saying. The more mail you send, you have, I would love for you to have 30, 40 awesome, great sellers, sign purchase agreements, emails back saying, yes, yes, yes. Phone calls, you know, you have, you know, you have 35 that you love, right? Or you think you have 35 people that let's just say they're on the same page with you price wise. Now you're gonna do what I just did and you're gonna work it backwards. And whether you, and, and, and if you, you're new, you're going to end with three and you're going to feel like that was amazing. I know I can't lose. But when you get going and you build up this confidence, your 30 is going to be 10, you know, or, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're, you'll make sure that you make those decisions. Maybe it's one. Right decisions. Maybe you get one property and all of those 30 that you're mm-hmm. going to make $100,000 on and the mail costs 20 grand. Maybe that's it. There's a lot of people. What's the ROI on that? Yeah. It's staggering. Uh-huh. Honestly, that's what we do. We send out hordes and hordes of mail, and we only buy the perfect properties with that are, we believe are risk-free. That's the point here, too. That's the that's my final point is, if anything has changed with our business model and how I personally pick properties right now versus how I was doing it five years ago, I'm getting pickier. So let me, I have one more point about this. It's super, I think, super important about affordability. Okay. If you buy property for too much money because you're trying to ramrod this, you're trying to, you don't have, you didn't start with 10. You started with two and you bought them both and they weren't priced right. They're too expensive. And you go to sell them and it takes you a year to sell them. You're going to give up on this business. You do not want to put yourself in that situation. Affordability is really important. If you watch the Thursday calls, if you're a member, go back and watch the old Thursday calls. Geez, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them in there where we review people's deals on a weekly basis. And what we always say, almost without exception, not completely, but almost without exception, we say, you know what? Love the land. It's got three of the five or six uh, A's. And you're, you have it priced at $15,000. If you can get it to $5,000, I would buy it. Mm-hmm. And so affordability, for me, just about any property, where even if it doesn't have any of the A's, is going to be worth 500 bucks. Most of the time, not all the time. So you can forego some of these other uh, potential flaws that land has if you buy it cheap enough. Mm-hmm. And you will build your confidence that way. You'll build your due diligence confidence by by making sure you're sleeping great at night because you bought it so cheap. There you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let's take another uh, look at another one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar. All right. How about would you do this deal? Summit County, Colorado. So there's two lots. The second lot has an easement for underground water tank. It's not buildable. Noted. That's good to know. 1.6 and 1.3 acres. Accepted offer price 312 grand. Thinks we can sell it for 650 grand. There's the second one. Uh, edge of the subdivision. State land with trails and hunting very close by. Skiing nearby. Mostly built up subdivision. Multi-million dollar homes. Access, of course. Everybody's alive. 
no flood zone. So I think you need to confirm the utilities. There's some slope, but it doesn't look any worse than any of the other lots. Um, there's an HOA and the Eagle's Nest Golf Course. So still digging up the details. So the 1.41 acre lot to the west is available also. Wow. It's not part of the sub. Need to talk to the county about it. Right here. There's no FEMA issues oh. at all. I mean, flood issues, I mean. 312, buy for 650. So things are five for three twelve, sell for six fifty. So these homes have to start at two million. Yes. Thank you, Joe. Mm -hmm. Make it easy for all of us. So we've already got a retention wall. So that has to be and dealt I don't with. See any retention walls for any anybody else yet? Anyway, let's look at these house values. Oh, parking right to access the water tanks. Oh. Okay. Oh. You've done your homework on this. Oh. House to the north sold for one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars in two thousand and four. And was built in 05. So that's it's just the dirt. the dirt. So good people are building houses here. 875 in 2010, built in 05. What do you think this estimate is on this? One four. I was thinking one three one one uh exactly. Two points. Oh wow. so, three bedrooms, just, one bath. Wow. That's two point seven million dollars per bathroom. Yeah. Wow. Thirty eight hundred square feet. Holy moly. Look at, they sold it in 2011 again for 1 million right here. One year later, you guys. Numbers work on this. Can I see dirt? I can't believe I'm saying this. The numbers work on 300,000 lots, probably worth 650. I think, Aaron, I think all your numbers are right. I think you did everything right. I would need to make sure that it's buildable. Here's and one that, for... that the red, green, yellow test, uh, you know, that you just need a confirmation from a, a really local real estate agent who knows that, that subdivision. You know what I would do too, as you're doing it, Aaron, I would have good conversations with these guys and find out that HOA versus the Ruby Ranch Equestrian Center, you know, kind of dig in, get to know the, the different places mm -hmm. here. I've done that in the past. You're going to own this for a while, so prepare for that. Jill, you have something inspirational to share. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this. As we're driving around um, Colorado right now, like all over Colorado, let me tell you, pretty much all up and down the front range. Let's just, we'll say that. And it's pretty flipping cool and it's so beautiful. And I keep, everywhere I look, I have these, you know, breathtaking, awe-inspiring for me views. And it could be maybe it's a mountain maybe it's just a it's just a rolling rolling field you know something like that but I was thinking about it and I realized you know I really am a land person and it really helps me in everything that we do that I can see something there and properly convey that to my broker and to my buyers, right? Because that's the whole point here. Why am I doing this whole thing anyway? Why am I in the land business? Is it here to collect land to have for my portfolio so when I die, I have 8,000 acres? No, that is not the point and why I'm in this business, right? No, we're here to buy and sell land. And, and it sure helps if you're a land person. How do you know if you're a land person? You know, it's, it's what I just said. If you walk around going, oh my gosh, it's so, be I can see someone's cabin there. I can see my cabin there. I can see me on that Creek. I can see me riding a horse over this, whatever Ridge I can see. I just, you know, you just, you see the trees and the beauty that's there that helps. But 
what if you're not a land person? What's, what's interesting to me is because I grew up in Southern California. I did not grow up in the Rocky Mountains. I grew up in like Disneyland. In it. Well, I mean, we're talking suburbia in it. Like there was no land. You know, if you had a quarter of an acre, you were you had a lot of land. So most of the places where I grew up it was like point one two kind of thing. And so I just think it's kind of funny that that it doesn't matter where you're from by the way, whether or not you're a land person or not. And I want to talk just for a few minutes about what to do if you're not a land person. I can't wait to hear this. I know. Because well, I have a simple answer. Well, but you... I'm going to go after you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ought to be. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so, well, I would like you to go first. Okay. Okay. Here's a sentence okay. that I say to Jill in our social life about 10 times a week. Sweetheart. This is wasted on me. Uh-huh. Uh, a good bottle of wine, absolutely wasted on me. Uh, three, I good can tell wine. the difference between a $3 bottle of wine and a $20 bottle of wine. You but, can? Yeah, but after oh, the $3 and 20 sure. <laughs> after 20 and $2,000, I can't. This wasted on me. Jill is a total full-blown foodie. She'll seek out restaurants. We go True. there. I um, indulge her. Yep. But, but the entire time, I remind her, sweetheart, this is wasted on me. I'm not a foodie. I'm happy to eat a, uh, you know, a, can a burrito of, from can Taco of, Bell, can of spaghettios, yeah. and a couple of Budweisers. That's yeah. just how I am. I was born that way. There's, and you know, she says sometimes to me about classic cars. She doesn't like classic cars. She loves sports cars, the new ones, and with the heated seats and stuff. So it's wasted on her. These classic cars that I, I mull through constantly. True. It's it's a passion that I have. I'm a total car person, and if I had a an airplane hangar, it would be filled with classic cars. Mm-hmm. It's wasted on her. I am a car person, but I just want Apple CarPlay and heated <laughs> seats. You're correct. <laughs> if looking at a piece of land uh, as an acquisition candidate and reselling it for more money doesn't make sense to you, then this is wasted on you. In fact, you wasted almost uh, uh, an hour listening to us. Wait. You don't think people could develop this? No, because I think a lot of people love oh, money. Well, there is that. Everybody loves money. More money's better. Mm. But one of the things that I learned in school, in college, with a, a business professor, he said this, if you're not interested in what you are going into business for or where you're working in your, in your, uh, your career you will ultimately fail. Mm. You have to be interested in it. Let's say, here's an example, and this is the example he used back then. If you don't like working on cars, then don't buy an oil-changing franchise. If you don't like pizza, don't buy a pizza place. If you don't see any value in owning a convenience store, and I don't, you will ultimately fail because you're just not passionate about it. Jill and I built, I built, an eBay empire. We're the largest seller of land on eBay. I love auctions. I love land. And it worked out great. I don't like customers. And customers on eBay are real rough. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of non-paying bidders. People win. They make up all kinds of reasons. So, True. So Jill and I wound down our land business. This is, this is a, a huge mistake on my part. Wound down our land business, selling business on eBay, and cranked up selling diamonds and silver and gold and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And we ultimately hated it. 
Yeah. Because all we were doing with was uh, different customers. customers. That's it. And yeah. so, in the end, we sold it, and we with did, a lot we, less uh, margin. We got out of it okay. <laughs> yeah. But we just had no passion for it. I could care less about diamonds and you know all that stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, unless Jill and I are shopping personally, for then that's fun. Right. But as a business, no. So. Ask yourself if you're a land person. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I have one. I have, an, I have a solution to end this on too. If you're not, because you know what, there are plenty of people in Land Academy that are not here because of land. They're not here because they're land people, but they are here because they know what's going on and what how much profit there is to be made. So there's a lot. There are people in Land Academy that just are happy to be the bank and trust you. Oh sure. So that's, that's not doing land deals. But I'm just saying, if you're not a land person, you can partner with somebody and who's really good, like me. You know, what if you if you found me and you're like, Jill, I don't really care. This is this is not a bad scenario, by the way, too. This is kind of my dream scenario. Um, not that you're not my dream. <laughs> not that I'm not I'm like, sitting whoa. next to my dream person. My but, goodness. But um, I'm sorry. Uh, in second place... <laughs> Not first place, because you are my first place. Great recovery, Joe. Yes. In second place would be an investor that leaves me alone and just says, here's uh, $500,000, go. Well, then you're in the financing business. Well, there is that. And you're not in the land business. Okay, Which is great. I I know many, many people who love the concept of finance and 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 eat it up. Loans, debt, debt, and equity financing, all of it. You know what's funny about this whole topic? I came up with this talk this morning on our drive-in yep. to the office today, and I really thought in my head, I'm going to come up with some ways to tell people how to become land people. Mm-mm. And in the end, I can't. Don't do it. I know. Yeah, I really can't. Do you think I, right. How great do you think I would be as a chef if I could oh eat SpaghettiOs and Budweiser? Gosh, no, you'd suck. That's true. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you'd no suck. No you wouldn't. You wouldn't care. Spices, schmices. You'd be yep. like sending it out. Here's a steak. Yep. Eat it. Oh, and then what? Yeah. I hire somebody else. Yeah, and you can't. Then you, you can't, can't even control, really effectively control it. Uh, accurately. So yeah, okay. Well, I'm eating my words today. <laughs> so what if you're not a land person? Well, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> I, I really think that's the answer. I guess you're right. I'm sorry, but thank you I'm for bringing sorry. that up. Well, <laughs> my whole topic is just like whoop. Okay, not where I thought that was going to go. Thank you. All right, Jack, your turn. What do you have informational to share with us today? The name of my topic is your company's revenue is more important than its expense. So business 101, you've got revenue, money is coming in. In our business, it's uh, the sale of real estate that we bought. We've got expense, like uh, the cost of the land. You have to buy the land. You have to pay yourself a little bit of a salary so you can pay your rent. Escrow fees, brokers. Mail. Yeah, mail. None of that is going to happen without revenue. And none of that is going to happen if you don't send any mail out. And this is a huge topic uh, that we spent a lot of time on last week in Career Path Office Hours. It baffles me to this day, and you can see it all over Discord, about the lack of understanding. And it's not understanding, but it's the lack of buying into, like hook, line, and sinker, buying into sending out mail. And yep, it costs money. And yes, you incur expenses before you incur revenue. Yeah. But you will not like Jill, like this entire episode is packed, starting with up with all the questions and uh, in the topics. If you don't send a ton of mail out and believe in those ROI statistics yeah. and have some confidence in your due diligence and all everything, this is a summary of the whole episode. You you will not 
and generate revenue. I, I uh, This hit me like a ton of bricks because I watched several years ago, Susie Orman, who's a f- uh, financial expert. I don't know if you know who she is. It, if you're under 40, you might probably you don't. You might not. <laughs> For over so 50, you definitely do. <laughs> she's in our, prevalent or has been or was prevalent in our generation. And she's kind of famous for yelling at everybody. Yeah. And she's famous for saying, yeah, you don't make enough money. Yeah. You're, you're sitting here asking me if she, what you should invest in. And can how I to retire? retire. Yeah. What, uh, what are these investment vehicles over here? Is this one good? Is this one good? Is this one good? And she's just famous for looking at people straight in the eye in the audience and saying, this is not going to happen for you right. because you don't make enough money. And what I want you to do instead of uh, spending all this time researching what vehicle you can get 7% in uh, before tax versus 5%, how about you go make a bunch more money? Yeah. Change your career, get a second job. It's, it's, and so that's the whole thing with this. If you send out, in the example uh, earlier, send out 40,000 mailers and you buy seven properties, there's a massive difference if you buy seven properties or 12 properties. Or, and if you buy it's them the same amount of work. 10,000, what you were going to make 10,000 a deal or make 45,000 a deal. You need to be really, really, really conscious of your company's revenue. Well, like Jill just said, forget about the expenses. In fact, the ROIs are so attractive that just forget it send out as much mail as you possibly can if you can't afford to send out mail and it's it's uh which i understand mm-hmm. everybody's been there find a partner that's going to financially back you mm-hmm. or wait till you have the money yep. or don't do it at all don't do anything in your life that costs uh, upfront money then that might mean you're not an entrepreneur you know what i tell people often when they're starting out in this you need to pick something pick a criteria put your head down stick to it and do 10 deals let's just say if you do 10 deals you're making 15 grand a small amount of money you're making 15 grand a deal and you put your head down you spend a year at that and you come up for air and go now I've got Mm $150,000 now I can start making different decisions I think that's kind of where you're going with that too you need to get that you need to get the revenue up have that money there put it aside that's right have that there and then now you can go all right I worked a lot of the kinks out. I know what I'm doing now. Now I'm going to do some stuff. If you get the right amount of mail out and you learn and take the amount of time to get educated through Land Academy or wherever else you choose to and learn how to send mailers out correctly uh, and and execute mailers themselves, the revenue will seriously follow to the point where you're, you, you, the revenue, the percentage of expenses as a percent of revenue, which is a very common accounting way to analyze things, is staggering in this business. It's staggering the, the return, the percent, uh, the net income that you make as a percent of revenue if you send the mail out. There's, again, there's no business that I know of that will, will shows you the rewards like this one. Renovating houses, forget it. Mm. Everybody comes to us with, with their tail between their legs after renovating two or three houses and, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're stopping me. I, uh, Is it too much? No, it's good. No, it's good. All right. I like, I think we're. Join us next Wednesday for another interesting episode. Jill just shut me up. <laughs> you are not alone in your real estate ambition. We are Jack and Jill. Information and inspiration to buy undervalued property.